91. The investment manager seeking opportunities in change. The world is constantly shaped by change and change brings opportunities, but opportunities are not always obvious. 91 was born in times of change and has seen past its distractions to seek real investment opportunities to help clients reach long-term investment goals. 91. Investing for a world of change. Find out more at 91.com. Capital at risk. 91 is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Hello. In this episode of Future Thinking, we wade into a crucial area we have somehow overlooked up till now, which is ESG. I'm Chris Slurley, the editor of CTY Selector, and today I'm joined by Tatiana Puhan, who's the deputy CEO of Toban. Tatiana is a crusader for clarity on ESG data, asking for both uniformity and, where possible, improvements in quality. As you will hear, she believes her group's quant-backed investment style can properly capitalise on the better output from companies in general. In this week's episode, we will also understand how having more data isn't necessarily as good as having better data. Tatjana also talks about how she is personally going about enacting some sort of meaningful change in the industry. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Future Thinking. I'm Chris Lowley, the editor of CityWire Selector. I'm joined today by Tatjana Puhan, who is the deputy CIO of Tobam. Thank you for joining me, Tatjana. How are you? Hello. Yes, thank you. I'm doing very well. Well, excellent. Well, one thing that we haven't covered in Future Thinking, we've covered a whole range of things, but we haven't really dug into data. And I mean, data has many implications, but also regulation and also as an underpinning of ESG, which is a hugely important element of things. I know these are things close to your heart. So if we can kick off then with data as it stands, and also, I mean, Toban being an anti-benchmark boutique, anti-benchmark specialist, where do you see the future of data going? And I know that's a massive question to start with, but in terms of how things are developing, what do we need to know now? And what are the main things on your agenda at the moment? So first of all, I think, you know, when it comes to um, responsive investing, um, I think data is really, really key um, because obviously, you know, um, if you have a bad database uh, that you use to make your assessment, then it's basically doing just like something that just doesn't matter, you know? And, and I think today, um, to some extent, um, in particular also the asset management industry is not um, as honest as they should be maybe about to what extent we can actually make certain statements about companies or to what extent you know we can actually really judge upon um, how well a company is doing on certain dimensions you know that are relevant and in, in responsible investing um, and uh, and so I'm personally for instance I'm trying to um, to promote a lot you know and and to, to be very clear actually on what we can do today and what we cannot do today um, but apart from the fact that, you know, maybe today we are somewhat limited um, and, and we have certain, you know, shortcuts to make, the good news is, is that, um, you know, thanks to the fact that there is a lot of regulation going on about, you know, what companies have to report and, um, and also because investors, you know, they are really requiring companies more and more to, um, to provide certain information and so on. Um, actually, the situation uh, will become just better. So it's not going to get worse anymore. Um, but it's only going to get better. It's something that we can already notice over the last, uh, I would say, two, three years. Um, and hence, for the future, I'm actually very optimistic that we will be able to get to better and better assessments of the actual performance you know, of the company in terms of um, ESG um, behavior, in terms of you know, pollution, um, how do they treat the stakeholders of the company, how is the governance structure, um, and so on and so forth. And, and also, in a way, um, you know, that, that this becomes more and more standardized so that it becomes also easier to assess 
um, across countries, across sectors, um, across uh, firms of different size and so on and so forth. Well, that's what I was going to ask, because as we get more data, and you're right, it, even from my side of things, it does seem to be more coherent and it seems to be much higher quality, but there's still so much of it. How do you separate the signals from the noise? How do you make sense of what there is? Because it seems like for every ESG fund, you've now got the carbon metric. Sometimes you have the true cost element as well. You have the ES and G, internal criteria, external criteria. How do you make sure that you're not also getting inundated with data? Yeah, so first of all, I think um, you need to be very clear about what your objective is. Okay, so for instance, is your objective to um, do something about uh, climate change and kind of reduce carbon emissions of your portfolio? Is your objective to uh, kind of focus on governance structures and so on and so forth? And obviously, you can have several objectives at the same time. Um, but, you know, given your objective, then you have to kind of identify, so what is actually, you know, the data that I need to be able to achieve this objective? Um, and then what is also very important is, is I think, to say, okay, so um, do I want to rely on data, which is raw data, so data actually reported by companies, or do I want to um, sort of outsource this to somebody else who's doing an assessment for me and who, who might, you know, kind of deliver me with some rating or some score or whatever? Um, and then I need to be aware, you know, that to, uh, to some extent I will lose transparency. Um, so, for instance, I mean, just to give you the example of Tobam. Uh, when it comes to um, ES and G, so kind of this, kind of dimensions of, if you want, integration of responsible investing, what, what we decided to do is we use raw data. So we use data which is reported by companies. So you know, what are they doing about pollution? What are they doing about um, eco compensation policies? Uh, how many people? Uh, how many external directors do they have on the boards and so on? And the reason why we decided to do this is is because. Um, you know, we are quants, and so we don't like so much, you know, if we, we don't have the full control of things. And we noticed that if we look at um, kind of scores uh, that are provided by external providers, um, if we try to map them, you know, between different providers for one and the same company, you can actually see that um, they're completely uncorrelated. So, you know, uh, what one provider X uh, is going to tell you about um, a company uh, a is going to be very different from what the provider Z is going to tell you about this very same company. And, uh, and this is something that, that shows you that, um, you know, there's a lot of discretion inside, which is okay, you know, um, if, if, you're, if you're happy with this and if you are happy with their methodology and so on, and if you're happy with, you know, um, such a fundamental process. But for us, this was something that we wanted to absolutely avoid. And hence, we really focus on, you know, what our companies actually really reporting. And then we construct from there a footprint um, that you know we have um, developed ourselves um, based on this raw data where we take out certain biases and so on and so forth. Um, and so we're happy, we're happy to use that. Um, and then when it comes, for instance, to uh, you know everything which is carbon data, uh, people need to be aware as well that um, you know when it comes to scope one and two data, we have a very good data coverage today. So you might have to estimate for certain maybe smaller companies and certain sectors and so on, this data, but generally speaking, we have a very good coverage today. But uh, what is very much also in the discussion at the moment, in particular also when we talk about Paris aligned um, investments is scope three data. And uh, the coverage for scope three data is about large and by 30%. Okay, so 30% you actually have and all the rest you don't have. And, uh, and here, I think we need to be also very clear, you know, that um, 
you know, this is uh, data where we can also make estimations. You know, we can, I mean, we have also developed some very sophisticated models that actually help us to fill the gaps. Um, but we need to be potentially very um, honest about, you know, um, the real information value that, that th these numbers can have. It's better than nothing, but it's also very far away from being precise. You mentioned, you touched upon it there, because TOVAM is, is quantitative, it's systematic. Do, will the quants have the edge if there is more data produced, if you're able to tie into things that is object, are objectively true and, and many more sources? Is that how you can get an edge in terms of doing better ESG investing? Yeah, I definitely believe uh, this, because um, I think at the end of the day, you know, um, and, and that's actually what is true for all quantum investing also when it comes to you know, making investment decisions. The big advantage of being a quantum is that first of all, you're able to process a lot of information, uh, much more than a human could do you know, at, at some, like at one point in time. Uh, so you can sort of sort all of this out um, and, uh, and you can also for, follow in a very disciplined way certain rules. So we're able to build portfolios where we're um, exactly sure, you know, that we're not going to exceed X percent um, of the carbon footprint of the benchmark, or we're going to stay X percent below the carbon footprint of the benchmark and so on. So for us, this is no problem to produce these kind of portfolios. And for somebody who's um, not doing this in a quantitative way, it, it is much harder to do this. And then um, what is also very big, uh, if you want advantage of a quant, and, and this is you know why I come back also to this topic of raw data versus using some ratings. Um, as a quant, uh, you tend to, or you try to be um, sort of uh, free of any emotions. You try to be free of any behavioral biases and so on. Yeah. And um, and so in your assessment, you're going to treat every company the same way, and uh, and every company um, you know is going to uh, be subject to the same type of process, and and there is no bias in this. And uh, and and I think you know one important reason why actually um, you know between these different rating agencies. Um, you see so different ESG scores, and even within you know, the companies, I guess it will depend a lot whether uh, analyst one or analyst two is actually uh, working on this assessment is because um, humans tend to have biases and, uh, and, and we tend to have also limited capacity to process information. And this is always going to lead you know, to certain biases. And if you want to um, get rid of this and if you want to switch this off, what you need is um, systematic rules and what you need is computational power um, you know, to to uh, get around this. Sticking with the idea of, of, of biases to an extent, but also composition, I understand, I mean, this is a subject that's very close to your heart, but I understand you're also aiming to shake things up by joining the, the board of the PRI, if that's correct. Could we talk about that? Are you you in the process of that? And what benefit would it be you being on, on the UN PRI board as well as doing stuff in the field? Yes, indeed. Um, so um, I'm actually trying to uh, become a member of the PRI board because I believe it's extremely important, you know, that we have more people um, in these um, kind of institutions and also working groups and so on that, that are actually very relevant today in sort of setting the tone, you know, for how companies, how investors go about um, their responsible investing policies and how they can actually implement them. And I think it's extremely important that we have some sort of, you know, first of all, young and fresh blood, <laughs> to put it this way. And also people, you know, who have uh, this kind of academic um, way of looking at things, kind of trying to treat the topic in, um, in a way that is as objective as possible. And, and for me, really, um, again, you know, um, using quantitative methods to 
um, to look into certain problems, be it you know uh, portfolio construction or be it um, you know how can I best use the data available to actually implement um, responsible investing policies into my portfolio. Um, this is really you know about um, trying to be objective, trying to get biases out of the portfolios. And I think you know for these boards, it's, it's very important to to be able to assess you know what kind of requirements. Um, do we need so what kind of requirements do we have to ask from companies in terms of reportings and so on and so forth so what is actually really needed so that this kind of objective analysis can can really be done and then on the other side you know what are actually things that we can realistically ask of uh, people you know who are actually running investment portfolios um, so, so what should we ask them to do so that you know the assessments that are done become actually more objective and uh, and more meaningful also in a way and uh, and and you know what should be sort of the standard here? And uh, and I believe um, what we clearly need here is the entire standards. You know when it comes to how the data is treated, um, how it's processed, um, and uh, and and that we get you know um, the very very discretionary processes that, that we still find today that that we, that we you know manage to limit them so that you know um, they become comparable and that investors they 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 can sort of. Uh, be sure you know that if somebody tells you this is good and somebody else tells you this is this is good then uh, you know you can be sure okay yes this this seems to be something that you know fits into the framework of responsible investing and if somebody tells you it's bad then it's really bad and it's not because uh, you know this was some discretionary and very um let's say emotional judgment but it was really something that is based on facts I started with a big question and apologies Tatiana because I'm going to I'm going to fit a big question as well. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where ESG is just treated as a another element of what we do in fund management and asset management and it doesn't have this precise focus or do you think it will always need such a keen focus so that people do ensure that the data is aligned that the quality is there that things are being done correctly? Well, so first of all I think you know um to me uh, and again to me as a quant you know asset management or uh, you know, everything that I do in asset management is about delivering high quality and being extremely precise. So, so that that's very important for me, actually. Um, and so, and, and I believe, uh, but what I believe really is, and, and this is something that we do at Tobin, for instance, is quite some time. So um, all the uh, responsible investing policies that we have introduced over the years, we have applied to all of our investment portfolios. So for us, it's not something that we do specifically for one or two portfolios, and then we call them thematic funds, and then we you know, make a big bust out of all of this. But, uh, you know, we have certain um, certain aspects that we believe are really important and in particular also for investors, you know, that that have very long-term investment horizons. And hence, uh, you know, if this is sort of, um, you know, part of the value framework that, that we adhere to as, you know, if you want as fiduciaries or in our fiduciary duty, then we want to apply this to all of our portfolios. And I think, you know, this kind of, or this way of thinking is something that will actually become um, absolutely common across all, um, you know, investors in the market, and, and maybe in some regions it's coming with a little lag. But I think it's it's going to, to really spread out very widely. And then to, to you know from that point of view, it will become normal. So it will be like like for us, it's normal, you know, to do that. So it's not special. We are not selling this as a thematic portfolio. We're reducing carbon footprints in all of our portfolios, and we are not selling it as a, you know something very particular. Um, and and I think you know this is you know what is going to happen, and uh, and actually you know this is also something that you can find in in um, it's very interesting actually there are some academic studies you know that um, that relate to this and that kind of say okay so 
if you want, um, our utility function as an investor has changed over time. So if you want um, uh, responsible investing or ESG matters, you know, they have entered our utility functions as investors. And, and there will be more and more investors, you know, that actually uh, change their utility function. And as this happens, um, you know, the way how investors think about the investments is going to change. And then you have, you know, a period of transition after this transi transition is done. Um, it's, it's just going to be normal and it's just going to be part you know, of, the, of the normal investment process. Fantastic. Tatjona, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me today. Yes, it was a pleasure for me. Ninety-one. The investment manager seeking opportunities in change. The world is constantly shaped by change and change brings opportunities, but opportunities are not always obvious. 91 was born in times of change and has seen past its distractions to seek real investment opportunities to help clients reach long-term investment goals. 91. Investing for a world of change. Find out more at 91.com. Capital at risk. 91 is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.